The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, aka 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. Hi, this is Lila, and this is the Obermonster Podcast. And- Welcome back to another episode of the Over the Monster podcast, uh, as is the case pretty much every week. Uh, it is me, your host, Matt Collins, and I am with, once again, uh, Brian Joyner. Brian, what's going on? How are you? Well, to follow up an appearance with my nemesis, Matt Corey, <laughs> with, an, with an appearance did, with his nemesis. I did um, uh, go on Matt Corey's Socks Outsider podcast, so I will I will plug that at the top. Um, and I think that'll come up a little bit today, but yeah, Brian and Matt are, uh, I guess, arch nemeses. Friend? No, we're frenemies. I've frenemies. been on the. I think I was the first person to be on the podcast twice. His podcast, so you know. Oh, I knew I knew you were on it. I didn't know you were on it twice, but yeah. There you go. Um, but yeah, so I was on that. You can go. Uh, you can go check that out and the other episodes. Um, of course. Uh, but yeah, so we're going to talk obviously about the Red Sox today and the Red Sox are playing well. Um, we are recording this as per usual, uh, Tuesday afternoon. So we don't know what happened in the first game of the Mets series, but as we're talking, they've won five in a row and, uh, they're kind of cruising They're They hold a game and a half cushion for the top spot. They hold a two game lead, um, on a playoff spot and they kind of control their own destiny at this point. Um, I think we should start with Chris Sale, and there's obviously a whole lot going on with Chris Sale right now. Um, there is the vaccine stuff. Uh, Sale said in a press conference uh, after his last start, he confirmed that he was not vaccinated. I don't think anyone is all too surprised by that, but uh, it's certainly making news. And then there's also uh, the way he's pitched. Um. So I think the vaccine stuff, uh, like we were talking about before the show, that'll come up. But I do want to start just with the way that he looked on, when did he start? Friday, I think. Um, kind of a strange start for sale. Uh, only allowed one run. Also only struck out one batter. His velocity was down a little bit. His average fastball was uh, 92.4, um, according to Baseball Savant. Uh, just down a couple ticks from usual, but he was still able to work around any issues with this stuff, um, only allowing the one run. On the other hand, he was facing the Orioles, so that's not all that impressive. Um, 
the lack of stuff, the lack of swing and miss, the fastball velocity, is that concerning to you, or is that just something you could chalk it up? He was out for 10 days and in quarantine, so not even really working out with the team. Is that just a product of that layoff, or is this something that you're a little bit concerned with? Both. I mean, I both. I, I think that they, those two thoughts can coexist at once. Uh, you know, the guy is as tall as a giraffe and weighs less than I do. Getting the plague is probably going to affect him. Uh, I know he said that it hasn't affected him, but what doctors know about the vaccine is that there's a lot, or the vaccine, the virus, is that there's a lot they don't know about it. So I do not put any sort of, um, beyond the fact that just layoff could be messing with him that he could have been affected in ways he doesn't know it's just it's inc- the whole thing is incredibly frustrating especially in light of how careful the red sox were bringing him back so that he would be at full strength right now and he has sabotaged it in a way and that's apparently his choice the red sox are letting him have that choice and the red sox are being very kid gloves with the people who don't want to get um, the vaccine. And that is also their choice. I think it's the wrong choice, but... Well, I don't know how much they can really do. Well, (laughs) they could try something. Um, But I... I will even grant you that, but I'm not impressed by the way the organization has operated this year. I've written tweets about this someone who does the lineups the covid situation has really pushed them to be releasing their layout lineups later and later um, there was one game a couple weeks ago where it was like 10 minutes before the game and i've never seen that from any team in the like six seven years i've been doing this um and it's just unprofessional and it's part of it is the cost of doing business during covid but I see all the other teams when they release their lineups and no one has been even half as delinquent as the Red Sox. No one on the East Coast, at least. Maybe some teams on the West Coast have been, but I am very asleep by then. So bringing it back to sale, I think it's both concerning and understandable. And... um, one would like him to be in tip-top shape for a potential wild card game or playoff situation, but we just don't know if that's going to be the case. Yeah, I mean, um, so there's a couple points I guess I want to get to. I, I mean, as far as the COVID stuff goes, I guess I give a little more, a little more leeway to the Red Sox as an organization, I don't know. I mean, it's obviously frustrating that the organization didn't reach the 85% mark and it's disappointing and it's embarrassing. And it's all those, all those words are accurate and there's many more that I could use, but I don't, I, as far as the players go, I mean, there's only so much that the organization can do with this. The union is not going to allow a mandate. And that's, I mean, it can be debated how people feel about that. I'm not crazy about it. I think it's a mistake by the union, but I don't know. I mean, I think for me, the issue that I have with um, the organization, with the COVID stuff and uh, with Alex Cora specifically is the masking, which we talked about last week, so I don't have to get into it too much. But Chris Sale was not wearing a mask um, as an unvaccinated player in 
the dugout um, during a COVID outbreak. I mean, that sort of stuff. The the manager can crack down on, especially for a starting pitcher who's not even going to pitch. I mean, just tell him you're not going to wear a mask. Then just get the hell out. Like you don't need to be here anyways. Um, but and then the fact that Sale has been talking about. I mean, Sale I think is where most of my frustration lies. He's been talking about wanting to be a leader and wanting to not take for granted being on the mound. Um, this it seems like a good way to avoid not being on the mound just to get the vaccine. But um, I mean, I don't think I'm going to change anybody's mind on that. Obviously, as far as him. In terms of his uh, performance, I mean, I, I think I agree with what you're saying. I guess I hadn't really considered the physical effects of COVID that could have had on him, but, I mean, it makes sense. I, I, I certainly don't know if that's what it was or if it was just a layoff or some combination, but um, it's interesting, and it does make me, I guess, a little... I was fairly confident that the next time we saw him, he would be pretty close to what we saw before, but now I'm, I, I think I am a little bit more concerned. and um, I don't know. I mean, I think... Like you said, they had handled Sale so carefully to make sure that he was at 100% when he got back, and now that is totally up in the air again. And it's it's a huge concern for a team that is almost certainly... I mean, the best-case scenario for this team is that they're playing in a one-game playoff where they need their best arms at their, at their best, and it's it's unclear if Sale's going to be like that. So I think that his next start... His next start is going to be one of the biggest of the season for the Red Sox, and not even just because of their place in the standings whenever that start comes, but just what he looks like and what they can rely on him for down the stretch. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and it, you know, we have here, uh, you have a question in the rundown here, whether he should, um, whether it's a good idea to have him start on Wednesday, maximize the number of starts rather than push him back to face the Yankees. And as, although facing the Yankees would be important, I I think, I mean, look, it, uh, you only want, like, I wrote a whole column on how he's better than Nathan Nivaldi, all things being equal, um, in a situation where you are having to choose, which the Red Sox probably will not have the luxury of doing for a wild card game starter. However, all things are not equal right now. And I think it's the more Chris Sale is probably the better. And if he's good, that'll work itself out. And if he's not, he's probably still a better option than most. Um, but pro- not Evaldi. I, I, I in a, in the five days since I wrote that column, I things have changed pretty significantly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yes, it, it was like immediately after it went <laughs> up, I believe that the that the COVID stuff came out. So, yeah, I think it's the next day. Yeah. So I just oh, be, just before we get into the Evaldi stuff, I mean, I am. So, were you t- about his next start? Are you? Would you prefer to see that on Wednesday, or would you prefer to have him? Like, would you? Uh, do you care more about him getting the most number of starts possible, or do you want him starting against the Yankees? I don't want him to get the most number of starts possible because as much as a Yankees game is effectively two games, um, two games is actually two games. So the Red Sox need to win as many games as they can. And I'd rather just, if he's ready, put him out there. Uh, do you? Would you prefer him against the Yankees? No, I agree with you, and it's not even necessarily for the reasons you were saying. I mean, 
for one thing, I'm like I said, I'm still a little bit nervous about the way he looked like last time, and I don't know that he is the best option to face the Yankees right now, especially a Yankees team with all that right-handed power scares me a little bit. Um, the Mets lineup, they haven't been great this year, but they still have a lot of guys that can hurt you, so it's not like you just want to throw anybody out there against them. Um, and I think the most important thing for me is that I just want Sale to get the work. I want... I mean, my goal, if I was the Red Sox right now, I mean, obviously you're working to make October, but they have they have a good chance. I mean, Fangraphs has their playoff odds at 90%. They, I think they need to get Sale at his absolute best for October, and I think the way to do that is to get him as much work as possible. I mean, it's the same thing as – it's the same idea as a rehab. You're trying to get him work, and you're trying to get him back into that rhythm. So, um yeah, so for me, I, I I agree. It makes sense to give him the start on Wednesday, regardless of what happens um, on on Tuesday. Because I think some people are, I've seen some people say if they get a win on Tuesday, maybe you can just uh, hang back and let Sale start once or start against the Yankees. But I, I I wouldn't even let Tuesday's result affect it. I would just start him either way. Yeah, I don't think they. I don't think they would do that either. I think that. Yeah, I don't. I don't. That doesn't seem like their mo. I think they have a plan. They just haven't said it yet. Um, yeah, so I mean, back to the Evaldi thing. I, I everything sort of has changed <laughs> since the last time we talked. Um, but I, you, you kind of touched on it earlier that it still is sort of a hypothetical, um, and more of like a thought experiment than anything else because it's still at this point. I think you still have to assume that they're not going to be able to line things up however they want anyway, so it's just going to be whoever's rested, and I think at this point, it looks like Valdi will be that guy. If Sale does make the start on Wednesday, he'd be lined up to make the final start of the regular season, which would put him out of the question, at least to start for the wildcard game. But, I mean, if it was a vacuum, you're, it definitely seems like you're moving closer to Evaldi, if, even if you're not totally there. Well, I think that suppose they have the home wildcard spot wrapped up before the final game. I think, yeah, I think I agree with you. I think I would plan on a Evaldi then sale um, situation rather than potentially the other way around. Uh, I just, Chris Sale has just done a lot in a week to shake my faith in um, the wisdom of having him out there uh, to start if if it comes down to that because I don't think all things are going to end up being equal even in that case uh, so and I, I mean I like, think we seems should seems like Nate's the guy and I think we should also and um, I mean Avaldi deserves a lot of the credit too I mean as, as frustrated as we are with Sale and as much as that's affecting our position I mean Avaldi just keeps doing it he keeps getting the job done i mean his start against baltimore doesn't look great on paper he gave up three runs in five innings um but his strikeout rate uh lately has just been out of control he has eight or nine strikeouts in each of his last four starts um he's in the second half he's striking out over 30 percent of batters i mean he's been kind of a different guy and he looks he just looks dominant so i mean i think Sale probably does dictate this decision. If they do get to make this decision, it's probably more about Sale than Avaldi. But Avaldi has put himself in a position where it's not crazy, and he has been legitimately awesome. And um, yeah, I mean, I just I don't know. 
just to be petty, everybody who likes to uh, all the, I guess all the Heim Bloom people who like to point out all the good moves he's made, and he has obviously made a lot of good moves. Um, that Evaldi contract's not looking so bad anymore. No, no, it's not, and um, I agree. Like Evaldi's been shoving. And I actually disagree with you that I think it comes down to sale because I think that probably within the organization, uh, Evaldi has done enough to have a, I... whether whether it's spoken whether it's spoken or not to be like I've earned this, and I think he has, and I think uh, no. That certainly I mean, seems to be the the opinion of Twitter, for at least. And I, I mean, it's, agree it, with them. it's it's not unfair. I guess when I say it comes down to sale, my thinking is just that if Chris Sale is at peak Chris Sale, um, there's nothing Nate Evaldi could do to uh, to surpass that. I don't think. But I also, I mean, the chances of seeing like literally peak Chris Sale, like Brian Chris Sale, are probably obviously slim uh, at this point. Yeah, I mean that was the entire point of my column. It was like <laughs> we we could say we could say anything we want. We could say anything we want. I'm not taking anything away from Nate at all. But Chris Sale is just like he's Chris Sale. Top, I mean, yeah, he's a t- top ten like raw talent pitcher I've ever seen in my life. Um, he's it's crazy. So yeah, yeah, and I mean that yeah, and yeah, we're probably not going to see that again. At least not this year. Um, probably never again because he's getting old, um, which doesn't mean that he can't be very good, but he's probably not going to be that level again. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's Chris Sale. I don't think there's anything else to say about that unless you had any, any final thoughts on Sale, Lavaldi, that sort of stuff. Uh, none that I am not willing to say for Thursday's column. (laughs) Okay. Um, all right, so the other uh, the other big thing to come out of the weekend uh, was a little bit of bad news. Uh, the Red Sox did win on Sunday to complete the sweep, but uh, before that game finished, Garrett Whitlock came in, and in his second inning of work, he left with the trainers. Um, they called it right pectoral tightness, uh, which I, I've seen other people point out. It's a little bit strange that we don't hear uh, more about that kind of injury from a pitcher. Um, never really thought about it, but I don't really see that very often. But anyways, uh, so we don't know too too much about the injury yet as of this recording i'm assuming uh we're probably going to learn more when cora speaks to the media before tuesday's game but again we are recording before that um chris Cotillo reported on monday uh that the injury is believed to be a minor strain uh still tbd if he's going to need an il stint but it doesn't appear serious so my reading on that is that he'll probably be available for the playoffs uh the rest of the season is a little bit up in the air um I mean, it's not really. I don't. I don't really know how to ask this, but it's, it's, I mean, this is obviously a big deal. This is their best reliever. Um, I mean, this is. Does I does this drastically change if he were to miss the rest of the regular season? Does it significantly change the way you feel about their chances of at least getting home field in the wild card, if not missing it altogether? Not significantly. I mean, he's still a reliever, but yeah, it doesn't help. Uh, and it's not the to put it in scientific terms. It's not what you want. <laughs> that is true. And I mean, I it, 
I, I agree with you that it doesn't really significantly change things for me, which seems like it feels like underplaying how good Whitlock is, but it's not. I mean, he's the kind of guy – I don't know. I mean, I think their schedule is soft enough is probably the biggest reason why I'm not more concerned about it. If they were playing the Rays and the Blue Jays and the Yankees the rest of the way, I would feel more concerned because obviously you want all hands on deck, but I mean, their last – six games against the Orioles and Nationals, they should be able to handle that without Garrett Whitlock. Um, it does put more pressure on the other big relievers in the bullpen, the Adam Ottavino, Matt Barnes, Garrett Richards, Hansel Robles, uh, Tanner Houck. I mean, they have all of these guys who can be pretty good, um, but they just haven't been that consistent. So, I mean, it, it puts a little bit more of a spotlight on them, but it, I guess in a weird way... It's not the worst thing in the world to get those guys under that microscope and see who's pitching well ahead of the playoffs. Because once you get to the playoffs, that bullpen shortens like crazy. Um, so now, it's, I guess, it's the time to really figure out what you have. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think that you get to this point in the season, you know, we're, you're talking about the rotation and would they mess with Sale to get it. And I don't think... I think they want to be more structured than that with the rotation, but with the bullpen, I think it's time to just get, you know, now it's just do what you got to do time. Um, especially in the run up to the wild card, uh, because there are no rules anymore. And let's just, you know, we got to find the hot hands if, if, if it's going to matter at all. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think we're going to see, I wrote about this earlier this week. I don't think we're going to see a set closer the rest of the year. Um, Garrett Richards got the save on Sunday, and I got a few questions from people wondering if he's the he got the save. He wondering if he's going to get be the closer the rest of the way. I don't think so. It's just that's the way things lined up that day. I think we'll see Ottavino get some saves, maybe Robles, maybe Barnes, Richards again. Uh, some of the lefties. I mean, I think everybody's just going to be. I mean, this is where Alex Cora kind of has to shine, is just figuring out who matches up best against what lineups and what parts of those lineups and uh, playing it like that. And then, um, I mean, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but if they do make it past the wild card game and then get into these more conventional series, um, i just lately been thinking a lot about the 2018 playoff run and the bullpen usage that year. I mean, they they only used three relievers, really, that entire playoff run they used Kimbrel Barnes and Brazier and then everybody else was just mop up duty if they needed it and I think we're probably going to see something similar here where they lean on the rotation more than anything um and part of that I think is going to be Tanner Houck he's been sort of still in the rotation but also he's been being used out of the bullpen lately the way things have lined up um they were going to need him for one more start but with Garrett Whitlock out um for who knows how long Houck's potential in the bullpen is so high. Do you, I mean, if you were going to start him again, you would need to plan for that and give him a few days off before that start, which takes him out of the equation, obviously, in some games that could be big. Would you just scrap that idea if Whitlock is out the rest of the year? Would you just scrap that and say, Houck, you're going to be ready to go whenever we need you and just go with a bullpen game if you need to? Or would you keep him as that lined up as that starter? I mean, I think Tanner Houck is like, and you might have been asking a leading question, but I don't know. He seems like the perfect guy to do the former, to just be like, 
all right, you're going to be our Swiss army knife. And, uh, and he saw what, what, you know, we, we jerked. Yeah. Well, we jerked you around all year, uh, with the roster. Now let's jerk you around the (laughs) rotation and the, and the bullpen. But I, I mean, I think he's extremely well suited to that role. And I think that the deeper they go in the playoffs, there's going to, doesn't matter. I don't know where you're going to see him, but there's going to be a lot of Tanner Hack. Yeah. I mean, Whitlock's role, um, really has been, um, has been that Swiss army knife, not in terms of starting obviously, but he's had games. I mean, lately against the Orioles, he was pitching two innings at a time in the middle of the game, but he's also coming for saves. He's coming late in games for one inning. He's, he's kind of done everything. And it feels like they have that also with Hulk and with Richards. Um, so, I mean, I would, I would just let Hulk let it fly in the bullpen. If you need to, if you need to use a bullpen game, and that probably does include Hulk and Richards, maybe going two innings each or something like that. But if you need to do that against the Orioles or the Nationals, I mean, it's fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> Just let, especially, especially against the Yankees. Like I would not make Hulk unavailable for those games just to get him a start against the Orioles. Yeah, well, I we, we also want to point out when you said that the Red Sox were were like red hot, you know. I know the Yankees, uh, they lost a game to the Orioles and almost lost more than one, but I don't think it counts. Well, they did with two against the Mariners, too, but um, I don't know. I mean, that's that's, true. that's their schedule the Mar- most of the way. All they need to do is yeah. really beat the bad teams and not get swept by the Yankees is really what they need to do. So, No, they need to do more than that. They need to bury the Yankees. I mean, <laughs> I would not complain about that, but... Uh, yeah. Um, so a little bit of a hypothetical with Whitlock. Um, like I said, the injury, Cotillo's reporting that the injury isn't believed to be anything too serious, but we still don't really know. Um, is there, if there is a chance that there's some long-term effect here, like if he pushes it uh, through the playoffs or through the regu- rest of the regular season, if they push him a little bit more, and that ends up meaning meaning that he can't have a full off season, which in turn takes him out of the equation for the rotation in twenty twenty two. I mean, does that sort of thing play into how you would decide when to bring him back? Or are you, or is it this? Are we just at a point where it's all in for twenty twenty one, and then you deal with the consequences as it comes? I mean, obviously, if it's going to lead to like some major major injury, I think everybody would agree that you're not going to risk a guy's career. Um, over this but if it is something like it would mean he's a reliever next year um, is that something that you would consider or change your mind I mean I think that it's a pretty big leap to make to suggest that I mean the offseason is long Um, I think that it won't I think it won't affect what happens next year it probably in, won't. I mean, but there are times where it's the guys will put out like maybe put off like a sur- like a minor surgery or something, and then that they could use the month of October or whatever to rest, and they they end up missing two months half of the off season because of that. I mean, obviously this is just a hypothetical, but it was a thought that crossed my mind. I mean, I think that they will with the with the people they have, they will go all out uh, now. You know, I think it's so, just yeah, time. I think so too. It's time for that. I think so, too. Um, All right. A few other things I wanted to get to here, Uh, starting with Jose Iglesias. Jose Iglesias has been just bizarrely good uh, since coming to the Red Sox. He's been uh, playing every day at second base. 
just an extra base hit machine. He's been driving in runs. Um, yeah, he's he's just been awesome. He's got a 178 WRC plus since joining the Red Sox. The sample is tiny, but um, it's been it's been outstanding. The the issue with Iglesias is that he was acquired after September, so he is not eligible to be on the postseason roster. Um, Christian Arroyo is eligible to be on the postseason roster, and he should be back soon, um, perhaps for Tuesday's game. He was on the COVID list for a long time, um, but has been he's gotten a couple of rehab appearances at Worcester. How do you go about balancing the playing time between Iglesias, who, like I said, he's been awesome. He has been uh, a big part of the reason they've been able to win these five games. Um, and then Arroyo, who has been very good this year when he's been on the field, but it hasn't been very much. Um, and he's trying to get his timing back. Could be worse in the short term, but you kind of want him swinging in the postseason because Iglesias can't be there. I mean, how do you balance that between trying to win these games again in the postseason and also trying to get Arroyo ready? I mean, who do you play more? You got to play the hot hand. I know that allegedly it doesn't exist, but uh, when the hot hand is also incredibly good defensively, like insanely good defensively, uh, I feel like, right as I was saying, right now it's just throw whatever you can at. at winning games because they got to do it. And I think that I don't know how you take Iglesias out of the lineup right now. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I think that's kind of where I come down to, but I mean, I, I would be concerned about Arroyo not playing and then he's going to be your starting second baseman when he gets to the postseason. So I think there, there has to be some sort of balance there. I'd probably go like, I don't know, 75-25 or something like that, 70-30 in favor of Iglesias down the stretch. I don't, I don't remember how many more games they have left. But, um, I mean, I guess the the other part of it is that when you get to the playoffs, you could at least theoretically just keep Arroyo on the bench anyways and put Kike at second, and then, but then you're dealing with Verdugo in center field, and that's a whole other can of worms. I don't know. It's it's one of those situations where I don't really have a great answer, and it's made, I think, more complicated by the fact that um, Iglesias probably, I mean, certainly isn't this good, but like you said, I mean, I agree. I believe in the hot hand, I think, at least a little bit, and he's obviously seeing the ball well. Um, I don't know. I think I would probably lean more towards an even split then it sounds like you would, but I do agree that you got to keep rolling with Iglesias, at least to some extent. Um, and, I mean, probably the best-case scenario is that you find a way to um, get into those last four, five, six games where you're pretty much guaranteed to be in, and then you can everything you do can be based on putting yourself in the best position for the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing we've learned about this years Red Sox is that if something is working it doesn't matter if it makes sense or not they're just going to keep with it and I think that this is a case where um, that is going to continue uh, just going to continue but I, I think you hit it on the head if they can lock in a spot then you start putting in a Royal that's I mean that is the ideal scenario so did. Oh, God. my my solution here is just win baseball games. 
I mean, that's bold. I don't know. That's bold, but it, it's worth a shot. I don't um, know if Matt Corey would say that, but I say it. <laughs> you did. Uh, you did just make me uh, realize it's a, it's a, it's uh, surprising that we haven't seen Iglesias hit leadoff yet. It seems like seems like it would have happened by now. If this was uh, this was July. I think that I think that Kike has just sort of taken no, it know. over for for good. No, I know. Which is okay with me. Um, all right, so another big is Kike, thing going on. Is Kike the best player you've covered for photos? What's up? What was that? Was Kike is Kike the best player you've covered for photos for use it for just? Um, mm, I mean, in terms of like depth of photos probably but i still think the jackie bradley afro photo is my favorite yeah and i would say that there's probably a middle tier of devers being combination of quality and quality of photo yeah um i think that one is i think the devers photo i think is my favorite over the jackie bradley jr one but you know six of one half a dozen of the other hey we can all we can all have different opinions on the best photos um, so yeah, the, one of the other big things going on uh, with baseball right now is that most of the minor league affiliates have had their season ended. Um, Salem just missed the playoffs. Uh, they needed a win or a loss from another team on Sunday to make the playoffs, but they did not get either of those. Um, so Salem, Greenville, Portland, and uh, the Florida Complex League seasons are all done. The Dominican Summer League in Worcester. Um, they're still going for another couple weeks, but for the bulk of the system, uh, the season is over. And even for the guys still playing, I mean, it's almost over. So it's a good time to uh, kind of take a look back at some of the prospect stuff. Uh, we don't spend too too much time on this because obviously we have the on deck podcast with Shelly and Bob um, that comes out later in the week, every week. Uh, so they'll be covering more of this. But I just wanted to uh, maybe touch on a couple of players who had standout seasons whose seasons really jumped out. I mean, obviously you have the big names, but was there anybody um, in particular who you were interested in from the farm this year? I mean, when uh, when Jaron Duran gets called up, you sort of throw away the minor league stats, and it's hard to think of him in, t- in terms of his minor league stats this year. Uh, but him and Nick York to me were um, the standouts uh, for the first and second half of the year. And I'm sure you have a a deeper roster of guys you want to talk about, but those were the guys who sort of flashed to me. I mean, I think that one of the main things is not a positive one is just Jeter Downs's um, struggles is is to me a, a big story because after Alex Verdugo dropped that ball, you know, uh, Jeter Downs struggling, Connor Wong, what do those two guys okay. have in common? Yeah, I know. He's actually been okay, but I don't know. Doesn't look no, great. I mean, but but the this but the not to take away anything from the uh from the minor league system as a whole, which is thriving in general. No, yeah, right. I mean I think while it has been overall an extremely positive year 
for the miners. I I don't think that Downs struggling so badly should just be wiped wiped out. I mean, he started the season as their number two prospect and as a clear top one hundred prospect, and he just um, it's been a disaster of a season. I'm not writing him off like totally as a prospect. Obviously, he's still only twenty three, but it was disappointing. Um, I mean, I think the guys you mentioned obviously make a lot of sense. Nick York was probably the I don't know about best player in the system. I mean, there are probably guys who had statistically better years, but just in terms of jump and the way that he's viewed as a prospect, it seems like he was the guy this season. Um, and the farm system, Tristan Casas too, but he had a weird year just going to the Olympics and all of that. And his season's going to continue because he just got called up to Worcester. Um, yeah, there were a couple of deeper guys I wanted to talk about. Um, I think mostly I, I, not totally sure I can say his name right, but uh, Wilkelman, Wilkelman uh, Gonzalez, um, very young, only 19, started the year um, on the complex and ended up going to Salem. Um, he's he's real. He's been, I think, the guy that has sort of started the season not really on the radar, and now um, not only was he really good statistically, but scouts are starting to really notice him. He's up to number 14 on Sox prospects organizational list. Um, I think he's probably going to be top 10 for a lot of people by the time next season starts. And he's, it's been a little while since they've had like an actually like a really young starting pitcher to really come into his own. And he feels, he feels like the guy that could do it. He's still got a lot of development to go actually, but he's, um, if you're looking for like a lower level guy, he's probably the guy to look at. Um, and I also think Noah song, not pitching at all this year was a big bummer. There was a chance that he was going to be able to come back in the middle of the summer and him not being able to do that um, kind of hurts because that was the high guy on song coming into the year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Gonzalez is Gonzalez is probably the guy that stands out the most to me. Yeah. It's nice to, it's nice to have options to choose from for your, I, for your minor league um, player of the year because this is not an experience we've had recently. No, I I mean, say, I I think Bloom maybe gets a little bit too much credit for the farm, but, I mean, that feels like um, picking nits that don't need to be picked. And the farm system's growth this year, whoever gets credit for it, however you want to divvy up that credit, um, it's been huge for the organization, and I know the – internet myself included likes to um, poke fun at people for hugging prospects too much or caring more about um, farm system rating rankings than what's happening in the majors but there's I mean it's undeniable that building a strong farm system is part of being a good organization in today's league and um, like I said whoever however you want to divvy up the credit they've done that the Red Sox farm system is both deeper than it's been in a long time and I think more importantly the the higher the high end talent um, is there in a way that it hasn't been in like five years. And yeah, it's rules. Yeah, it's awesome. And some of this, I mean, some of these guys are going to be up next year, um, including Casas probably. Uh, all right. Uh, what else did I have? A couple more things just on the wild card race in general. Um, back to that Matt Corey podcast we were talking about. Uh, we were talking a little bit about home field and he brought up um, the turf in Toronto, which I think was a good point, especially with the Red Sox infield defense. But I mean, do you think 
home field important is like a hugely important thing like is that something that they should if they were to lock up a playoff spot but still be battling with either toronto or new york for home field is that something that you think that they should or would keep pushing for or do you kind of ease up so you're more healthy and you're more lined up with your starters um regardless of where the game is like how important do you think getting that top seed is for the wild card i think it comes down if it comes down to the last day of the season and they need to win to play at home they will do everything they can to try to win whether whether i don't know if that i don't know if they should or not but i think they will i mean i think like i said the way things line up right now avaldi probably wouldn't be starting that last game anyway but if we are at a, in a position where sale makes a couple more starts before that last game of the season and he's looking awesome and he's looking like that vintage chris sale to the point where they that's who they want starting the wild card game and the only thing they have to play for on that last game is home field i think that they would sit chris sale because i i to me at least and i imagine they would agree the starting pitcher is more important than where the game is played that's probably i mean that's true i uh all right i stand corrected i think they probably would like go it go mostly all in in terms of position players like i don't know that they would give xander bogarts a day off just to get off his feet before the wild card game but i think in terms of the starting pitcher they would probably want that guy to be starting over yeah but i do think home field will matter i think that 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 threads the needle pretty well because yes obviously having Chris Hale is more important um, in a wild card playoff game if you're going to make it. But yeah, I would say you you wouldn't expect the big big hitters to sit. You'd expect them to try to. I mean, look, they don't want to travel. They're still human beings. They and it's just play at home. I don't even think it's just that. I mean, I think that is usually the biggest thing with home field and it matters, but I think the turf thing with Toronto and then also you can play Kyle Schwarber or J.D. Martinez in left field and feel okay about it um, at Fenway in a way that you're probably not as okay with it um, in New York and especially Toronto. Um, so, I mean, I think it does matter specifically with the way this Red Sox team is built, but it's still not – it's just – I mean, it's not as important as the starting pitcher, which I think everyone would acknowledge. Um, all right, so I mean, we do this pretty much every week now, I guess, but – like I said, the Red Sox have a ninety percent playoff odds uh, for uh, for from according to Fangraphs, I should say. Um, Toronto's at sixty three, Yankees are about forty, and then the Athletics and Mariners are still in um, single digits. Does that all seem right? Does ninety percent still seem right for the Red Sox? Yeah, the schedule's just too. It's so good. Soft to to say otherwise. It's. I mean, all you said it. They gotta beat the Yankees once. Yeah, just can't but get swept by the Yankees. That would change everything. But short of that happening, uh, that I, I look. It. I think that what it's going to come down to is the Red Sox will make it, and then depending on how many times they beat the Yankees, they'll play the Yankees or the Blue Jays. So. There's sort of, I mean, I wrote this also like in the uh, lineups on Sunday. Like they're sort of in the playoffs already now. Like it, yeah, I mean, it's playoff mode for sure. Um, so I, 
I think they're going to make it, and it's nice, and it wipes away a lot of anxiety. So um, don't don't bring the anxiety back. I don't want it. <laughs> yeah, this season's been such a whiplash. I'm expecting there to be one more one more point where I'm feeling dread. But um, no, I mean, I'm with you. It it feels it still feels to me that it's uh, Red Sox Blue Jays. It just that just makes too much sense. Um. All right, we got a few listener questions uh, before we finish up here. M Truth has our first one. Uh, they say, uh, "What will Hauk and Whitlock's roles be next year? Uh, starters or relievers?" I mean, I'm leaning towards starters, but we'll see. Just because they're cheap, we like cheap, don't we, folks? Uh, I don't know. I, I mean. It, don't they have a lot of pitchers on one-year contracts anyway? Yeah, so they uh, uh, what is their rot- so right now as far as their rotation goes, they still have Sale, Pavetta, and Avaldi are still under contract uh, for next season. Rodriguez is going to be a free agent, so that is if you're not putting Hauk in the rotation like a hundred percent. For the purposes of this question, they have three starters, two spots to fill. Um, I think that they will both be come into spring training to be stretched out as a starter, but I I mean I'm expecting them to add another starter as well, whether that be Eduardo Rodriguez or somebody else. Um, so I don't necessarily know that they're going to start. They're both going to start the season in the rotation. I would expect at least one of them to start the season in the bullpen, but I think they'll both be prepared to contribute to the rotation at some point if and when an injury shows up, but I, I, I don't see them both being two of the top five to start the season. That's fair. I don't know. I don't particularly have an opinion over which one would be which, except for actually that's not true at all. I imagine that Hauk would be a better, a more likely starter candidate given Whitlock's outrageous success. Um, yeah. The bullpen, I think it's... But, it's weird because I think I, I think you're right, but I think Whitlock, just the way he pitches and his repertoire and all that makes more sense as a starter and Hauk makes more sense as a reliever, but I do agree that just the way that their careers have gone in the season in particular, Hauk would probably get that first start um, if it were to come to that. Uh, let's see, Floyd uh, wants to know, why has Garrett Richards been so much more effective as a reliever? How would he not be? I know, I know that that's not the question, but uh, I don't know. It's easier being a starter. Like that's, I mean, you're not. I don't think that's the wrong answer. It's especially for him. I mean, he's sort of a two pitch guy. Um, he, I, I, he, I thought he always made sense more as a reliever anyways um i am surprised at how good his stuff has looked although i'm looking at his splits right now i don't know if i'm looking at 2021 or not no i'm not because the strikeout rate wasn't that much better but no i mean his stuff has been much better since um getting to the getting to a relief role and it's just i mean like you said that's just how it usually works and especially a guy like him who throws with movement and throws sort of with max effort all the time and only has two pitches that's just that's just what he's built for. Um, another thing we talked with, about with Corey, and I've seen a few other people talking about, um, 
Richards has a $10 million team option for next year. And the way he's looked in the bullpen, would you think about picking that up? I mean, that's a good question. Probably. I mean, I'd think about it. Yes, I would think about it. Um, I wouldn't do it. I probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't do it, though. Yeah, no, I I wouldn't do it. It's been, he's been like really impressive in the bullpen, and I it wouldn't totally shock me at all if he was able to be very good in that role moving forward. Um, but I wouldn't, assuming you know that the Red Sox are going to be operating with a budget that we're all going to be frustrated with, which is what I expect. Um, I wouldn't spend ten million dollars to be the team to figure it out. I would, after I decline the option, I would definitely approach him and see if there's a more reasonable dollar value we can get to to pitch out of the bullpen um but i i I wouldn't pay 10 million for it um all right and then the last question is from jack doyle um says it's a dumb question but i don't think it's a dumb question at all uh is there an explanation for why avaldi's war is so much impressive then you'd guess looking at his more traditional counting stats um this brings me to perhaps my biggest pet peeve in the baseball analysis world which is uh and this is not um, this is not a shot at Jack. Uh, people don't cite the war that they're using a lot, and especially for pitchers. Um, I mean, that's meaningful. So I, presumably you're talking about Fangraph's war, um, where Valdi has been one of the best in baseball, and that's because Fangraph's war uses uh, FIP, which only looks at strikeouts, walks, and home runs. Uh, so that's why Avaldi's war looks so impressive. He's a master at limiting walks. His strikeout rate is a little bit up this year. His home run rate is way down. Um, and that's pretty much a long and short of it. Um, baseball reference war, I don't know what his war is there. I imagine it's good, but not great. Um, that's based on runs allowed uh, rather than peripherals. But that is why. And if you are going to be talking about war, uh, please just say which one you're using because they are different. And that is going she, uh, to. I mean, except for in the, except for the only caveat here is that in this case, you knew exactly which one he was talking about. No, I know. I just mean in general, people are talking about MVP. Which I mean, my real advice for that would be just don't talk about MVP. Um, but if you are talking about the awards, just in general, um, just say which one. All right, uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. Uh, we hope you enjoyed today's show. If you did, please uh, subscribe. Wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, leave us a rating and a review because that is supposed to be helpful. And um, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, I run the Over the Monster account at Over the Monster, and Brian is at Brian Joiner. Brian with a Y, Joiner with an I. And uh, we'll be back with you next week. <laughs>